The American Society for Reproductive Medicine, as well as the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology, have both cautioned against egg freezing as a way of preserving fertility. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology also holds this position. Yet despite these cautions, social or non-medical egg freezing is on the rise in the U.S. There are even companies such as Facebook and Apple who will provide coverage to employees who wish to freeze their eggs. In late 2014, the Canadian Fertility and Andrology Society released its position statement on egg freezing, describing it as an option for women wishing to preserve their fertility in the face of anticipated decline. Physicians are in a position to be able to provide accurate and balanced information about social egg freezing to their patients. So what is it that we need to know? I'm Dr. Meniza Walji, Editorial Fellow for CMAJ, and today we're here speaking with Dr. Angel Petropanagos, postdoctoral fellow at Dalhousie University in Halifax. She is part of a research team called Novel Tech Ethics. They do research at the intersection of health, bioethics, and public policy. In a newly published analysis paper, Dr. Petropanagos provides a summary of what physicians need to know regarding egg freezing. Hi, Dr. Petropanagos. Hello, thank you for having me. What exactly happens with egg freezing? What's involved and why are women choosing to do this? So egg freezing is a process in which a woman's oocytes or her eggs are extracted, cryopreserved, and then stored for future reproductive uses. So generally this uh, fertility preservation technology occurs at two stages. So for the first stage, a woman uh, undergoes hormonal stimulation of the ovaries, and then mature oocytes are retrieved transvaginally. These oocytes are then cryopreserved, generally using a process called vitrification, which is a flash freeze process that involves high concentrations of a cryoprotectant and then an ultra-rapid cooling process which solidifies the cell into a glass-like state. And then the viable oocytes are then stored for future use. The second stage of fertility preservation or egg freezing involves the future use. So if women choose to use their stored reproductive materials in the future or their stored eggs, um, what's involved is the eggs are then thawed and they're fertilized and um, the embryos are used in IVF cycles. Another question to who would choose this, um, well, there's really two sort of general groups of women that might find egg freezing appealing as a fertility preservation technology. And women in either of these groups are really aiming to keep open the future option of having genetically related children. So women in the first group are going to be women with diseases like cancer, whose disease or disease therapy puts them at risk of future infertility. And we generally refer to egg freezing in this context as medical egg freezing. But what we're interested in our analysis article is really women in the second group. And these are women who are generally healthy and anticipate some sort of delayed childbearing and are going to use egg freezing as a way to guard themselves against age-related infertility. Because with aging, with natural aging, fertility declines and egg freezing can be a way as uh, circumventing this fertility decline. And we typically refer to this second type of egg freezing as social egg freezing. For many women, there can be significant amount of social pressure to bear children. And there can also be, I think, increasing pressures to take control of your fertility and have a backup plan. And this is indeed how social egg freezing is being marketed in some cases. So it's, you know, as fertility insurance in a way to take control of your reproduction. Um, So it's quite possible that a number of women might see that as sort of pressure to use this technology as well. Canada's position on egg freezing appears to be slightly different than that of the U.S. Why do you think that is? 
Well, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine issued a position statement in 2013 that is more comprehensive with respect to mature oocyte cryopreservation than what we get in the Canadian context, um, than the position statements um, issued by the Canadian Fertility and Andrology Society. So what the ASRM guidelines is doing is saying that egg freezing is it should no longer be considered an experimental technology. And it's approving its use for medical indications like patients receiving cancer therapies or patients that have other diseases and is aimed at really showing that egg freezing is a viable option in these cases. The ASRM document also considers egg freezing in the social context. And they say, well, this technology may appear to be attractive for social egg freezing reasons. And there's no data on the efficacy of oocyte cryopreservation in this population for this indication. So what the ASRM really is saying is, you know, even though it might be an attractive option for women who have concerns about age-related infertility, we don't have adequate data on the safety, the efficacy, the cost effectiveness, and the emotional risks that are associated with social egg freezing. The ASRM is encouraging its use in the disease-related or medical context, um, but expressing some hesitancy when it comes to social egg freezing, so in the non-disease-related context. In the Canadian context, the CFAS picked up on this sort of removal of the experimental label for egg freezing, and they do have a document that's more comprehensive about fertility preservation for reproductive age women facing gonadotoxic treatments, and egg freezing is just a small portion of this document. Now, they fully endorse it, just like the SRM does, for disease-related or medical reasons, but they have the CFAS has a separate position statement on egg freezing for social reasons, and that was from October 2014. And now what the CFAA says in this document is that egg freezing is an option to guard against age-related infertility. Um, and now, although they don't explicitly caution against the use of egg freezing for social reasons, they do say that they recommend education for young women regarding the effects of aging on fertility and natural conception as part of routine, routine care. And they do believe that physicians offering egg freezing to women should give women uh, suitable resources and counseling to help promote the reproductive autonomy and help them make an informed choice about this technology. So on the surface, we do get some caution from the ASRM on using egg freezing for social reasons that we don't seem to get directly or in the same sort of way in the uh, CFAS document. But I think ultimately when it comes down to it, both professional government bodies are saying that you know, this may be a viable technology and may be an option for some women, and we need to help give them the information to promote their reproductive autonomy and help women make an informed choice. So as you mentioned, uh, some of the issues that we have surround evidence. What sort of evidence do we have about success rates? So uh, most generally what we know about cryopreservation, uh, the success rates of cryopreservation, is that over the past few years, likely due to modifications in the cryopreservation methods, there's a general trend towards improved survival of cryopreserved oocytes and increased pregnancy rates um, with mature oocytes. So we also have some evidence that the fertilization and pregnancy rates with cryopreserved oocytes are similar to the IVF success rates with fresh oocytes when we're using vitrification. So that's a flash freezing procedure. Now, having said that, the evidence is conflicting in some ways and limited. So just to give you an idea of sort of the numbers, uh, the estimates that we're dealing with for vitrification, 
the survival rates of oocytes after freezing and thawing is estimated to be between 90 and 97%. The fertilization rate, and this is with vitrified and then thawed oocytes, is 71 to 79%. The estimated implantation rate is approximately 17 to 41%. And then the clinical pregnancy rate per vitrified and thawed oocyte is about 45 to 12%. Now, the live birth rate, um, and this is for women under the age of 38, is estimated to be between 2 and 12%. But again, those estimates do vary depending on which study you're looking at. Now, the thing that is concerning, or at least physicians should be aware of, is that this data that I've just given you is generally from oocytes that have been obtained from women under the age of 30 years. So women that are under 30. And uh, in the case of egg freezing, you know, women may not be approaching their physicians to use egg freezing until they're over 30 or well over 30. So it's not clear how this data, how accurate it will be for women over the age of 30. And uh, because clinical pregnancy rates uh, decline with women's age at the time of freezing, we won't necessarily expect the same success rates if freezing is done over the age of 30. There's great information in your analysis paper about the benefits and risks, including the financial risks um, of social egg freezing. Can you tell us a bit more about the big ones? It's likely that women who are going to be asking about social egg freezing really have the benefits in mind. And the benefits are going to be you know, keeping the option of having a biological child in the future or a genetically related child in the future open, so keeping that option open. And you know, for some women, they might want to avoid some of the risks that are associated with pregnancy at an advanced age. So they might have concerns about having children with chromosomal abnormalities, for example. Or, you know, they may not have a partner and they might have concerns about embryo freezing. So egg freezing might look attractive to some women. They might be going to their physicians with these sort of benefits in mind. But what our analysis paper really tries to do is highlight some of the concerns and some of the risks that physicians should be bringing up with women. So some of the big ones that I think are worth mentioning. The first thing is sort of thinking back to stage one of egg freezing. Physicians should be highlighting the risks that are associated with a hormonal stimulation of the ovaries. So with hormonal stim stimulation, the biggest risk really is um, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which can be mild to moderate to severe. And I mean, the symptoms can range from fatigue and abdominal pain to things that are more severe and require hospitalization, like dehydration, vomiting, and blood clots. So the, uh, the second, I think, big thing worth pointing out is that, you know, for women who are choosing egg freezing, they should know that uh, if they're going to pursue this technology all the way through, they're going to be subject to the risks of IVF. And should they undergo IVF at an advanced maternal age, um, these risks of IVF just increase. Women should also understand that it's expensive. So in, in Canada, egg freezing, so the first stage of egg freezing, um, the costs are estimated between five dollars and $10,000 per stimulated cycle. And then there's an additional three to $500 each year for storage. Right? So that's stage one for women who choose to go through and use IVF and undergo the second stage of fertility preservation. There will be additional costs associated with IVF. So it's really important that women understand that this technology can be risky and also that it's really expensive and they may not undergo the second stage, right? So some women might only undergo the freezing and then never decide to use their stored reproductive material in IVF. So what should physicians be telling their patients who ask about egg freezing? 
first of all, I just want to highlight why I think physicians are well positioned to have these discussions to begin with. So social egg freezing is new and it's controversial and women are likely going to be hearing more and more about it as the media picks up on stories like the Facebook and Apple coverage for their employees, right? So they're paying to, um, for their employees to undergo egg freezing. For women who do approach their physicians with questions about egg freezing, I think it's really important that family physicians take their role as sort of a frontline healthcare provider seriously and give them information about the medical risks and benefits of social egg freezing, as well as the financial considerations, as opposed to just, you know, giving them a referral to, say, a website or fertility clinic for more information. So I think, you know, the physician, the family physician has this interesting role to play where they can have a open conversation about the risks of social egg freezing. And then they can take the additional step, I think, and frame social egg freezing within a broader context of reproductive health. So family physicians are well positioned to have discussions about other reproductive options that might be appealing to women. So they're able to frame social egg freezing as not necessarily being a solution to the reproductive concerns that some women might be approaching their physicians with. Right? And it's not clear that egg freezing is going to give uh, women more reproductive freedom. So one of the key contributions we really try to make in this piece is to encourage physicians to sensitize themselves to the social context around reproductive decision-making more generally. So, of course, it might be the case egg freezing may be a great option for some women, but it's not clear that it's going to be a good option for all women. If physicians are able to uh, provide women with sort of balanced, unbiased information about the medical concerns, the financial concerns, and the broader social context that these decisions are happening within, I think that will really help promote women's informed decision making. Um, Physicians should be informing their patients of the medical risks associated with ovarian hyperstimulation and um, future IVF should they decide to use the stored reproductive material. Uh, The patient should be aware of the particular risks that are associated with pregnancy at advanced maternal age. And these are risks both for the woman and um, any potential offspring. Women should know, and this is, um, I think, something we want to stress in this article, that there's limited data on the safety and success rates for social egg freezing. So again, as I mentioned earlier, that it's really from a different, younger patient population than maybe the women who are seeking social egg freezing. Women should also understand uh, that Egg freezing is likely to be expensive. It's not currently covered by any provincial health care program. So for women who choose to use egg freezing because it is a two-stage technology, they should be prepared to you know, pay for stage one without necessarily accessing stage two, right, with not using the reproductive material. Finally, physicians should be discussing, so when we talked about situating social egg freezing within a broader uh, reproductive framework or a broader framework of reproductive health, they should be discussing other family building options with women, including, you know, having children earlier or maybe adopting in the future. And, um, you know, for some women, I think the option of foregoing childbearing um, should also be put on the table. We've been speaking with Dr. Angel Petropanagos, postdoctoral fellow with Novel Tech Ethics at Dalhousie University. To read the analysis paper she co-authored, visit cmaj.ca.